hey everybody, we're uh, here for the Ripple Effect podcast today. I'm uh, Brian and Mary, our children's minister is with us. And here in between us, we have somebody we'll introduce more, or allow her to introduce herself more here in a little bit. But this is Carly and she's from Coyote Hill. And uh, we just, as you know, like to spotlight different ministries and organizations from time to time. And so we'll get to that in our spotlight of the week here in a little bit. As you know, we start off almost every episode with a sponsor of the week who doesn't actually give us any money or anything. Uh, <laughs> but Mary has our sponsor for this week. Our sponsor for this week is Hearts and Kisses, because oh, yeah. you know Valentine's Day is tomorrow. And um, whether you're single or married, chocolate is always a good idea mm-hmm. on Valentine's Day. And church is not canceled for Valentine's <laughs> Day. Just letting you know, tomorrow night we're still having our classes as normal. We know all of you probably won't make it because some of you are like the Valentine's Day fanatics. But I don't know. I have Just, to say, though, <clears throat> if you've tried to go out on Valentine's Day... It's almost better to pick another time <laughs> because otherwise you're waiting in line for a really long time. Yeah. <clears throat> Jess has never been, like, um, Jess thinks that Valentine's Day is just a big commercial holiday that doesn't have a lot of meaning. Yep. And she would much rather I, like, randomly do things that actually mean something that aren't programmed into the calendar. Like dishes? <clears throat> so, <laughs> yeah, actually, that would be, Yeah. Dishes, remember to move the laundry over and fold it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that says romance. <laughs> like yeah. <a> little <laughs> but anyway, tomorrow is uh, Valentine's Day, and so eat some chocolate no matter what. Uh, this past Sunday was our second week of the Intentional Church, mm-hmm. and this was a Sunday, and Carly's not here every week for our podcast but we like to do a little recap of Sunday and so it was the day we talked about communion and the significance of communion and we've been going through Acts chapter 2 and so um, we started out with the Apostles doctrine and then this past week was the breaking of bread or communion and why it's important what it symbolizes did you get to watch it Mary? I did yeah um, what do you think What's your reaction to um, the way we did the service? I really liked it. Um, I I think, I know there are some church traditions that don't do it every week, and it's um, really highlighted when they do do it. Um, I think the most moving time for me personally taking communion was after I'd been in China on my own for a couple of years, and then coming back and taking communion corporately mm. with the church family was um, really special to to remember that no matter where you are in the world, mm-hmm. there are probably people remembering what Christ has done for us. And we're still in communion, in, in connection with with God and with others, whether we're taking it at home with Pepsi, Pepsi <laughs> or, or at church with juice and bread. Yeah, so we were talking about during uh, COVID, COVID mm-hmm. people sometimes you know took communion at home. And you went through like on the video. Okay, this is you know the the juice or Pepsi or whatever you have at home <laughs> symbolizes Jesus's blood. It's a really weird time. Yes, COVID was a weird time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also uh, 
some of those things helped us get out of a rut mm -hmm. in the way we do church, yeah. which is, was a healthy thing. Like uh, passing communion trays is not the only way, way we can take communion. Having Welch's grape juice is not the only way. They <laughs> right. probably didn't have exactly that when they took this, <laughs> you know, 2,000 years ago. So anyway, uh, I thought it was a great morning. Um, we planned the service with more of the worship time, the celebration time at the end, and I really enjoyed that from the worship theme perspective as well. Um, so this coming week, you can look forward to the third sermon in that series, which will be about um, fellowship. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to that too. <clears throat> All right, let's get on to our TLCC top three. These are our top three things you need to know about this coming weekend, or not just this weekend, but things coming up. The first one is... Our youth fundraiser lunch. Yeah. What do they need to know about that, Mary? Sunday, um, after second service, the uh, middle and high school students are providing lunch. So they have soup and grilled cheese sandwiches, and they'll service at tables and clean up and make dessert and all those things. And it's a way for them to earn money for the different events that they can go to or choose to go to throughout the year, whether it's camp or CIY events or college visits or just all the things. And it adds up quickly, especially if you have multiple kids in a family. And so this is a way that kids can help earn part of their way towards some of those activities. Mm -hmm. So come and have some lunch and leave a donation. Mm -hmm. Yep. We always love those because we don't have to worry about what's for lunch. <laughs> yes. um, the second one of our announcements for this week is just to pray for those leaving on our Mexico trip. So they're leaving Friday and they'll be going on their 24-hour drive down to Nuevo Casas Grandes. They drive straight through. They don't sleep. Well, they sleep somewhere in the van, van. <laughs> but they don't stop at a hotel, drive straight through, get down there, launch right into a busy week. And so I think we have eight people on that trip this year. So pray for them as they're right now making their final preparations, or maybe by the time you watch this, they've already left. But uh, that trip is leaving soon. <clears throat> the third thing is just to remind you that this is a Connections Week. Yeah. And the Connections is our monthly newsletter. And we wanted to highlight this, one, because we didn't have other real pressing things on our list, but some of you may have never picked up or received a Connections newsletter in the mail. And as you know, we're, we're kind of streamlining the Sunday morning gathering where we're not reading a bunch of announcements anymore. So the Connections is one of the tools where you get the info about what's going on at church. Yeah. You figure out what you need to sign up for or um, what events are coming up for your kids. The Connections has almost all that. It also has the fun things I put in there, like where are we at on the church's budget and all that, <laughs> if you enjoy those kind of things. But if you're a card writer, always, Don always has a list of birthdays and anniversaries yeah. in there too. So sometimes people like that so they can see who's got a special event coming up. So if you're not on the mailing list, you can uh, contact the office, call us, set, get on our Facebook page, however you like to do that. And let us know your address, and Dawn would be happy to add you to receiving that at your home as we mail it to you. You can also pick one up at the Info Center. She makes 30 or 40 extra ones and leaves them sitting up there on Sunday morning for those that don't receive it in the mail. 
Uh, you can also go to the website. It's usually the, the third Sunday. Sunday of the month. If you go to the website, you know, there's on the sermons tab, there's a sermon link for every week. And it has like questions about the sermon. After it's over, we post the video in case you were out of town or you want to watch it again. But there's always a button that says bulletin. And so usually that's just our regular trifold bulletin. <clears throat> but on the third week of the month, it has the newsletter when you click on bulletin. Yeah. So you can get that whether you like it digital or whether you like it mailed to your home. All right, is there a TLCC top three? Then we get to the good stuff and our <laughs> weekly spotlight is Carly McCoy, right? Yep. Uh, from Coyote Hill. Daniel does this. I'm not gonna get my timer out, but we give you about 30 seconds to just introduce yourself. Maybe say, <clears throat> you can tell them anything about yourself you want them to know, but maybe how long you've been with Coyote Hill. We'll talk more about the ministry, but you can just do a little introduction to start out. Okay. Um, my name is Carly McCoy. I am now the area coordinator for Moberly, um, Coyote Hill Foster Care Ministries. And um, that is as of last Monday. I am now the area Whoa, coordinator. So, so yeah. <laughs> so um, I've been with Coyote Hill for, it'll be three years in June. Um, prior to that, I worked at Children's Division. So for the state of Missouri um, as a foster care case manager. And I am also a foster and adoptive parent. As well, we have four boys. So, wow. congratulations! Cool. Thanks. So, Coyote Hill. There's a large portion of those in our church or community watching this, even mm -hmm. that have heard something about Coyote Hill. They would at least recognize the logo or right. the name. Some of our people who have been around here for longer. Uh, basically, knew Coyote Hill as uh, homes or. It, they had maybe a, a lot narrower view of what you all do mm -hmm. than what your organization is today. So tell us, like, over the last few years, how things have changed. Sure. So Coyote Hill started in 1991 um, with Larry McDaniel and his family. They started the Coyote Hill Foster Care um, or the Coyote Hill children's home um, and that is out in Harrisburg um, it has grown to where there are now eight homes out there um, and it's that's what we call our foster care community so it's um, a bunch of homes out on the same land um, all doing the same thing they're all they're all fostering uh, kids in their home and they're bigger homes so they can accommodate up to eight nine ten kids sometimes mm -hmm. in those homes and so um, up until 2020 um, we were more of like a could be an emergency type of situation. Um, we took on private placements, things like that. Um, but then there were some changes with some laws and um, it changed it to where we're now licensing homes out in the community. And so it changed the structure of how things are out at what we call the Hill, um, mm -hmm. our foster care community. And so now all of those homes are traditionally licensed homes. They're no longer staff members. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's just foster homes out there in bigger living homes, in living in community and being able to just have that built in support in their own neighborhood. And so since 2020, we have licensed over 200 homes out in the community. Um, we have offices in here in Moberly. We have one in Columbia, Jefferson City and Hannibal. And so all of our homes are kind of all in those areas that mm -hmm. are um, kind of touched by those offices. And so um, we're just with Coyote Hill, what our 
what our vision and what our hope is, is to change the landscape of foster care. And so what we've noticed and what everyone had kind of noticed with the building of Coyote Hill is that foster parents would quit within that first year because they wouldn't have support. Mm -hmm. And so what we have and what we've seen working for our families is we have what's called a family advocate. And so every foster family that gets um, that starts with us and goes through our training and everything like that, they get a family advocate assigned to them and they um, kind of just follow along with them and go through life with them during their foster care journey. And so that could be anything of going to court, going to meetings. Um, if there's a crisis, we'll come out when they get their first child, we'll come out and we'll just be in the home, we'll bring them dinner, stuff like that, um, just to kind of help ease that transition of going from their family structure to adding kids into their home. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, some of us have been called uh, their 2 a.m. friend. If they have any kind of emergency, <laughs> we're they, their 2 a.m. friend. We'll come, we'll, or we'll just answer the phone, we'll be there to listen and support um, because caseworkers are overworked, they're underpaid, overworked, they don't have all of the time. And so that's kind of where we want to step in and be that that person that they can go to when they need an immediate answer. Mm-hmm. So if someone was feeling like um, foster care was something that they wanted to look into, they could just call Coyote Hill and you would walk them through whatever process <clears throat> that would look like. Yes. Um, we kind of, we walk through everything from the be- very beginning stages of that interest of foster care, as well as all the way through to their end of they've adopted or they've got guardianship where they're just done. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we really want to just be there for them and be that constant support during this time because foster care is a roller coaster and Mm -hmm. you need someone to be on your team. And so being a family advocate has been, it's very eye opening to, to have that family advocate coming from another area where we didn't have that. Um, It's, it's very, it's very eye-opening to see the difference that you can make just by being able to answer that text message or taking them a coffee and going and sitting with them or yeah. something, just mm-hmm. just supporting them Everybody in any way. needs somebody on their side. Right. Yeah, and we, we took a, of course, we walked through the whole process of our uh, licensing and all that with uh, Coyote Hill, but particularly when we took a placement, you just don't always know what you're getting into until you know you're yeah. in it <laughs> yeah we can yeah. train you and do all of those things yeah. but then you never know until you're in it <laughs> yeah yeah and of course all those things helped but having somebody besides the state person who's right. just there to check the boxes a lot of times they're way overworked and yeah they give you attention i'm not saying that they do the best they can but right. the the people from coyote hill you could tell cared they had a little bit more time. You guys still have a lot of work to do too, but they actually had time to come sit in the living room, uh, say, what do you need? Mm-hmm. Um, even from the very beginning of that process, uh, helped us from the moment we, we were home uh, mm-hmm. with our first placement and they brought supplies to help. And uh, I don't remember, I remember it's some kind of a welcome basket or something. I don't remember the details, but just, more than anything, those things that, you know, you have the someone on your side, mm-hmm. like you say, the advocate, mm-hmm. and the stuff mattered, but it was more the people that you could text or call and say, okay, what would you do in this scenario, mm-hmm. you know? Because uh, sometimes if you try to get that information other places, it takes a lot longer. Right. And we, we really appreciate what you all do. I had um, 
you answered a lot of the questions I was going to ask just in your um, couple minutes there. But one thing is, if people want to be involved other than, okay, I'm going to be licensed, I'm going to become a, you know, a provider. What other ways can they be involved? Because I know we've helped with some things, right. but I want to assume that I know everything. What What are ways that people could get involved with things that you all do? Absolutely. Um, so other than being a, a licensed provider, um, there's also things called um, respite providers or people called respite providers. And so they can step in when a foster parent either needs a break or um, an emergency's come up and the child can't go wherever they need to go. Um, then we can reach out to licensed providers for those children to go to. It could be the night, it could be for the weekend. Um, Cause you know, as parents, you need breaks. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes <clears throat> people don't have those supports that are willing to take the foster children. Mm -hmm. And so having people to go to who are licensed providers and um, have gone through trainings and things like that, it, it does ease your mind a bit when you can say they're going to go to this person. Yeah. And so being able to have people who just sign up as a respite provider, those are always needed. Um, and it's just a two hour training and some paperwork and walkthrough of the home, things like that. Um, and then if, if we're not at that level, we can, there's always um, providing meals or doing gift card um, donations, um, any kind of any kind of need a child could have, we could always use car seats, food, toys, clothes, stuff like that, which we, we really do partner a lot with um, Andy at Faithbridge and, and things like that to get those needs. Um, but there are some times where we, those are still needs that we, that we have. Mm -hmm. um, and then Coyote Hill is a nonprofit. And so we run solely off of donations and, and some grants and things like that. And so just even having the financial peace and the financial support of individuals is very important to be able to keep doing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and we have events. So we do once a month community groups where the foster parents can come. It's a, it's a support group for them. And then we have it to where the kids can be watched during that time and we feed them and, and things like that. So we need volunteers for those events as well as we have an every other month respite event. And so that is a three hour time period where the foster parents can drop their kids off. Um, and we just love on them, feed mm -hmm. them, hang out, all that kind of stuff. And the foster parents get three hours of no kids. Um, they can do whatever they want. So, um, and we have heard from several people that just based off of their own personal situation, that's the only break they get is when they come to community group and when they have our respite events. Yeah. And so, um, we, we really see those as, as big, important things for our families. Yeah. And some of them really need a break. Yes. Like when you volunteer yes. for one of these events, you're like, <laughs> Wow. Right. They live with these kids um, <laughs> all they, day. It, it's certainly uh, lots they, of they pour into these kids. Yeah. And we're exhausted after we help for three hours. Right. <laughs> so. And I always like to say with when it comes to being able to, to think of how you can get involved in foster care, we understand not everyone can be a foster parent, mm -hmm. but everyone can help a child or a family affected by foster care. Yeah. So there's always ways to get involved. Mm-hmm. All right. You have any more questions? No. We thank you for coming in. And, thank you for having uh, me. We uh, we obviously have several people in our church who currently or in the past have been uh, invested somehow in foster care. If if not as if not a provider themselves, they've been a supporter. And 
you know, my wife and I have transitioned right now, at least to being more of the respite and volunteer (laughs) and felt like that's, we figured out in ministry, it is just difficult to do full-time ministry and be a foster provider at this stage in our life. We were having to say no almost all the time. Mm -hmm. So, but we've also noticed what we have been helping with is almost as needed, like just providing the auxiliary support for the families that are doing it um, is something that really helps them out. Even, even giving them that three hour break break Mm -hmm. once in a while. So uh, I think Mary is going to give us our blessing of the week, and then we'll be done for the day. I am. So since tomorrow's Valentine's Day, and I'm talking about kids with Carly, I went straight to 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Those have been favorite verses for many years and I think it boils it down to saying God loves us and so we in turn love other people and it's not about how good they are or how kind they are or how much they need it or don't need it it's purely God's love that flows through us whether it's helping foster parents or kids who have had a difficult time in life or neighbors or um, partners or family members that we don't see eye to eye with um, God's love can thro- flow through us to them. And that's how we know that um, we are loving is because God sent his son for us and he loved us enough to die for us. So surely we can reach out and love somebody else, whether it's providing a meal, um, whether it's writing an encouraging note, whether it's taking in a foster child, all of us can love someone else because God loved us. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. All right. Well, that wraps up our episode for today. We thank you for joining us on Ripple Effect. We hope to see you Sunday on uh, either in church or joining us online if you're not able to be here in person. And if nothing else, we'll hope to see you back here on Ripple Effect next week. See you all later.